Welcome to VLGA Connect. It's our summer series best of collection where we're looking back on some of the most watched and most talked about episodes of our 2021 season. For this memory, we're back in May when Sharon Prinzi joined me from the Victorian Child-Friendly Cities and Communities Advisory Group to talk about the work of this alliance of local governments and other agencies working to empower children as active and engaged citizens. Hello and welcome to another special edition of VLGA Connect. In conversation today with Sharon Prinzi, the chair of the Victorian Child-Friendly Cities and Communities Advisory Group. Sharon, welcome to VLGA Connect. Chris, thank you for the opportunity. Can you tell us about this advisory group? Who's involved and, and what's the aim? Well, the Child-Friendly Cities and Communities Advisory Group um, have carriage over a network um, that brings together professionals who have an interest in pursuing the interests of children and young people, particularly as it relates to connecting in with community rights. So obviously children have a special set of rights called the United Nations Conventions on the Rights of the Child. And because of their vulnerabilities, they're afforded special rights in our communities. And Australia, of course, are a signatory and have been so for about 25 years. Um, so over time, local government areas have pursued um, opportunities to further engage children and young people in community life to act as citizens. Obviously, um, in some local government areas, children under 25 or even under 18 represent 20% of the population. So that's a specific cohort that sometimes is missed out on broader community engagement activities. So for us, it's really important to think about how do we involve children in community life? And as professionals, what sort of responsibilities do we have to pursue their interests alongside them? I still remember, Sharon, in my local government life, uh, the development of a, ch a children and young people's plan and the notion that children would be consulted in developing their plan. And some people having trouble with that. I imagine we've moved a long way from those days. Well, I'd like to think we have. So the Child-Friendly Cities Advisory Group has been going for about 12 years, and it started with a set of three fundamental principles that local government areas were encouraged to adopt. And that one of them is about providing opportunities that meet the needs of children, regardless of their gender, age, sex, etc. Also about designing opportunities for children to have a voice in community life. And obviously, when we're thinking about planning for young children and young people, we're providing services for them. So we need to understand what their lived experiences look like. So um, local government areas do this very differently, which is great because having a common sense of principles is great when we think about we have diverse ways of approaching operationalising them. Um, so I've known of local government areas to heavily involve children and young people in the development of their child and youth plans or even their municipal early years plans. Um, and I know the organisation I work for has done that very robustly as well. And interestingly, when we went through this experience recently with my local government area, we found that the research um, presented by organisations like the Eracy Council for Children and Young People um, their views of children and young people very much resonated with the research. So there's quite an aligned approach. And when you ask children the right questions, they can give you some very robust answers. That's, that's good, isn't it? Mm. So t tell, who's involved in this, uh, this, this, this coalition, if you like? It's because well, it's more than just councils, isn't it? Well, originally it was a, a group of 
councils that came together. So there was about five or six local government areas who were really interested in the UNICEF child-friendly cities approach, mm -hmm. but found that the process was quite onerous and um, designed a new way of trying to embed princi common principles across local government areas. Um, and over time, so that was about 12 years ago, so over time councils have been encouraged to join by either becoming part of the network to discuss practice or, and I should say, um, signing up to the charter, which is a commitment from an organisation to uphold those principles as they develop services and programs for children and young people. But as we know, times have changed. So that with the implementation of the child safe standards, um, there is a, a standard seven called empowerment, and that has really strong synergies with the work of the Child Friendly Cities and Communities Network. And over 600 organisations are mandated to comply with those child safe standards um, under a legislative framework. Mm -hmm. So recently we've thought about how do we bring those organisations into the fold and have more of a collective impact in terms of providing more aligned approaches to include children and young people in community life and making sure that they're heard so we have now organisations such as libraries and early childhood centres um, and even some schools participating in the network also and that gives us a really lovely balanced view on what we can do collectively to improve opportunities for children and young people. Makes sense. That's that's terrific. Now, see, there's a VLGA logo behind you. Where does the VLGA come into this picture? Well, obviously, when we got started, um, a group of councils had no auspicing body to do this work really effectively and kindly the VLGA offered to be that auspicing body. So the VLGA are really supportive in providing administrative support for the network. So they send out our meeting requests and agendas and they hold our um, historical documentation on their website and also it becomes a portal for um, people to access information about how they can progress child-friendly principles in their organisation. So we've been really pleased to have such a long-standing association with the VLGA and we really encourage that we're going to continue to work together as time progresses. So um, you're an advisory group. It begs yeah. the question, who do you advise? Where does your advice go to? Well, our role, as we see, is to bring together professionals across different sectors to have conversations about child-friendly cities principles. So we often work on a shared theme for the year. So before COVID in 2019, all of the organisations that contribute to the network got together and decided to ask children um, why we should ask them um, about things that happen in their lives. And children were really clear that there was a whole range of skills and abilities that they can share and unique insights that they have over adults because of their unique circumstances that they'd really like adults to stand back and listen. Um, so then last year we asked the children, um, you've told us that you've got things to tell adults, what sort of things would you like to share with us? And they talked about a whole range of things from sustainability and protecting nature to ways in which we should be interacting in community and including others and celebrating culture. So really we do know that children have great insights into what communities could like and have a, a great ability to provide advice for us when we consider how do we structure communities as a whole and make them places for everybody. So our role as a, an advisory committee is to bring together professionals to talk about ways of engaging children and including children in conversations and sharing that information broadly with whoever will listen. Um, have you turned your mind to gathering 
children's perspectives on how they've been impacted by COVID? Certainly. So we had a meeting in April, um, which we worked through a whole gamut of research on the impacts of COVID-19 on children and young people. Mm -hmm. So we heard about the impact on their education and social isolation, um, their ability to exercise and gain physical activity and develop um, and limit their screen times, which was quite a challenge. But then we heard a lot about the mental health impacts on children and young people. Then we focused our conversation on what that experience was like for children and young people. So we heard from organisations like the Commission for Children and Young People, who did a broad Victorian-based study of children and young people and asked them what those experiences looked like. And we also heard about projects from organisations like Darabin Council, who did a voice lab project and asked children specifically what that experience was like for them, and Kids Own Publishing, who developed books for children. So there was a range of um, activities that went on throughout COVID to gather that information. And that's really important to hold with us as we plan our ways of moving forward and reconnecting children in with opportunities to enjoy community life. What's next on your work plan, Sharon, in terms of the focus for your group? Well, our group are currently looking at um, ways to engage children back into community. So obviously with such a fluctuating uh, COVID-19 environment, we have to be really conscious that um, providing opportunities for children and young people need to be first safe, but also responding to their needs, what they want to see and how they'd like to be engaged, whether it is in an online platform or face-to-face delivery, whether it's in a specific location or a dispersed um, opportunity across locations. So we're really listening into what children and young people are asking of us. And we're coming together in July again to discuss ways that we could support children to have those opportunities. Because, you know, building back and monitoring the ripple effects on children is going to be really important and connecting them back in is something that's high on our agenda at the moment. Absolutely. Well done. It sounds like some terrific work you're doing. If people want to find out more about this or or perhaps even um, become involved somehow, how do you recommend they go about finding out? Well, firstly, we'd encourage them to look at the VLGA website where we host all of our information. So we've got um, a range of resources available. So from research to professional practice notes, so through case studies. Um, And being part of the network is really easy. So all you have to do is email Sue at the VLGA and she will add you to our distribution list. At the moment, because of COVID, all of our meetings are online. Um, but hopefully at one point we'll be able to get back to -to face-to-face delivery. So just connect in with the VLGA and they'll put you in contact with us. Look, it's been great hearing about that. Well done, Sharon, and uh, all the best to you and uh, and the advisory group as as you move forward through challenging times. Great. Thanks, Chris. And I'd really encourage everyone just to keep children and young people at front and centre in decision-making processes because often they're not heard and they do have really valuable contributions to make to our communities. We hope you enjoyed that look back on one of the highlights of the year 2021 on VLGA Connect. There's more to come from our summer series, Best of Collection. I hope you can join us again soon. 